Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today, we have Jake Mace on the show to share about his unique urban farm in Tempe, Arizona. Jake Mace was born in British Columbia, Canada, and has lived in the Phoenix area since 1993. He attended Arizona State University and currently is a full-time teacher of martial arts, tai chi, yoga, fitness, urban gardening, edible landscapes, and golf at various companies and universities in the Phoenix Valley. He also teaches via his successful YouTube channel and online school of martial arts at jakemace.com. Outside of teaching, Jake's real passion is as an advocate for the environment, animals, and people. Jake has been a vegan vegetarian for nearly 15 years and believes in preserving the earth, its resources, and its living inhabitants so that future generations of people can enjoy them as he has. Jake currently lives with his wife, Pamela, and their many adopted animals on their edible urban homestead in Tempe, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, Greg. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad you're here. So I shared a little bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, I immigrated from Canada, if you want to call it that. My parents were American and uh, they brought me to Arizona when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I just started uh, going to school here and playing sports and all that stuff like any young you know, 12 year old would do. My mom was always really into gardening uh, growing up in Canada, even though she was born in California. And so we always had a garden. We always had, you know, lovely flowers because we lived in Vancouver, British Columbia that has a great climate for, for growing. Yes, that it does, doesn't it? And then she got disgruntled when she moved to Phoenix because she didn't know how to garden in the heat and the climate of Phoenix without the rain. So she kind of gave up on gardening. And really a lot of my motivation for gardening today was from her, but most, more so from my childhood because – my teenage years were mostly full of sports and school and stuff like that. Oh, got it. Very good. You have a named farm that you live on, yes? Yeah, we call it Longevity Gardens because uh, you know a lot of the reason why I studied the martial arts and the reasons why I'm vegan is because uh, you know I want to have longevity 
kind of like my idol Jack LaLanne. Oh yeah. All about and wow. I would love to be at one point. One of my goals. I would love to be the oldest living human on the planet for at least a day. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a long way to go, don't you? Yeah. So I figure if I have a urban farm called Longevity Gardens, it'll over the years it'll kind of cult me into believing it. <laughs> well, there you go. To having longevity. Absolutely. So tell us about Longevity Gardens and the process that you went through to get it started. It's a very fascinating one. Yeah, well, you know, when I was in college still at ASU, I um, took over my martial arts school, which is a Chinese Kung Fu and Tai Chi school for my teacher, and I've run that ever since. So since I've been, you know, very young, I've been in business for myself, and um, I ended up buying a townhome. So I had a little townhome in Phoenix, kind of by Arcadia, Mm -hmm. and that was where I met my wife, Pamela. And she lived just about a mile down the road at her parents' place for that time. And they had a half-acre flood irrigated property with an avocado tree in the backyard. Oh, wow. Nice. And so we met. We ended up uh, you know, falling in love. And um, we lived together at the townhome. But even when I was in the townhome, on our second date, we gardened together. We kind of planted the little really? patio. Yeah. Oh, so cool our first that? date was dinner at True Food. And our second date was planting a little patio garden in the in the back patio of the townhome there at 44th street in mcdowell oh how cool is that so you guys have an interesting story because you both are from a particular place and you both landed in the same you know in in the same place both from canada but yet we met in phoenix lived a half mile apart how funny is that it's so funny yeah so So, yeah so we um we were kind of both into gardening because her parents had gardened mine and garden and we kind of wanted to garden together so fast forward to you have a house in tempe yeah, exactly. So fast forward, um, she worked at the time for Compass Bank, and so we got a home mortgage through the bank that she worked for. So we got a really good rate and uh-huh. a good like employee deal. Nice. And we ended up being able to afford this house we got currently, and we purchased this house um, in Tempe here at the very bottom of the market. So we really got a good deal. Oh, nice. Um, and it just so happens that it's a very normal, very modest, very typical 1970s neighborhood <laughs> with a normal house. You know, only like 1,400 to 1500 square feet right but for some reason the backyard is cut huge so it's like three times the size of my neighbor's backyard wow and so and you know that by looking at it from the front and we have a trash alley that borders our yard so not only do we have about a a third of an acre for a backyard Uh in the city but we also have a trash alley that gives us a good a buffer from our neighbors oh nice and it was just a blank lot of clay with a few bougainvillea bushes oh nice and so I really fell in love with this property because of the yard, and my wife gave me permission to go ahead with it if she got to renovate some of the house. <laughs> it was a yin-yang. And so we just, right. uh, from the beginning, we started planting a couple of trees and um, have gone from there, and we ended up calling it Longevity Gardens because my martial art program at the time was called Phoenix Longevity Arts. Oh. I figured that they would kind of go together. Yeah, Perfect. Perfect. So four years ago was yeah, it, it was when you started the project? Yeah, 2011, exactly. So 2011, you have this big dirt backyard. And, and yeah. by the way, um, if you ever get a chance to go see it, it's an amazing place. He's got a food forest going back there. But four years ago, it was just dirt. It, yeah, it was just dirt and it had a couple of bougainvillea bushes. It had, it did have two navel orange trees in the front yard, front yard. that were full of gravel rock. Oh, Nice. And then it had goat head thorns all over the oh. ground that my dogs would step on and stab their feet. Ouch. <laughs> so. so so what happened? How did you go from how did you go from a dirt patch in your backyard to uh, you know, a luscious green food forest? Well, you know, I'm I'm thirty three. I graduated high school in the year two thousand, and so I'm the oldest of the of the millennial generation. Right. 
And so I really feel like I had 10 years there where there was the economy's crashing, nobody had jobs, everybody was suffering. I lost a lot of investments and property that I had accumulated in my 20s. Uh-huh. And so this house was kind of like a starting over for me, you know, and I figured that what a better way to save some money off my food budget than to plant trees that fruited and gave me food back. Oh, yes. So from the very beginning, um, before I had a garden, I planted like a peach tree, a pomegranate tree, a fig tree. Uh-huh. Uh, I planted a kumquat tree that I had bought with my Chinese grandmaster in L.A. Chinatown. I planted this kumquat tree. Oh, wow. Cool. So I had these just, you know, maybe half a dozen trees that I had saved on the patio of my townhome in pots. Mm -hmm. And so I really looked forward to putting them in the ground. And every nursery in town told me to plant them with a 50-50 mix of native clay and wood chips, which I found is not the right thing to do. Right. And so um, those trees I've since been amending and given better soil, but everything else has kind of grown up around those original six fruiting edible oh, perfect. trees. Perfect. And you use a lot of wood chips in your yard. Yeah, so that was the thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I met you, and uh, I was teaching Tai Chi classes at the Desert Botanical Garden, which I still do. I teach now. I teach some gardening and Tai Chi at the Botanical Garden. Right. And um, they told me that if I wanted to take one of the other classes there, I could take it for free, being an instructor. So I said, oh. hey, let me go to this. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you ended up in my class. I did, so I'm sorry. I didn't pay for it. I took it for free. <laughs> no, that's okay. But that's um, Perfect. I Look what happened from that. Yeah, it was a great class. I opened up the catalog and it said, um, you know, a two-hour workshop for learning how to harvest rainwater off your roof. And I thought, that's awesome because I want to save money on water. Right. And I took your class and you kind of hit on two main things in your class, which was how to harvest rainwater and also how to bring in wood chips as a mulch into your landscape to save water and improve the soil. So nice. I did both of those things. Nice. And how, how many wood chips have you put in, you know, a couple of buckets in your backyard or? Yeah, so not quite. So far we brought in about 1,500 cubic yards. And I tell people that one cubic yard is like a, the back of a, of a truck bed. Right. So we've kind of brought in about 1,500 truck beds of wood chips so far wow. in our one third of an acre. That's crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. And how's it working? Great. I mean, the very first month that I brought in wood chips and started, see, I don't only put wood chips into the trees, uh, tree, the tree uh, wells. water basins. Right. I put wood chips outside the water basins, inside the water basins. I put wood chips in my chicken run, in my dog kennel, yeah. everywhere so that yeah. it used to rain at my house like a monsoon and there was a mud pit. We used to walk outside and there'd be so much mud stuck to our shoes we uh -huh. couldn't walk after like 10 steps. And now it can rain as hard as it wants and the wood chips have made the clay more kind of able to like absorb a sponge. the moisture. Like a sponge. Like a sponge, yeah. And no matter where you dig on my soil now that we've put at least a foot to two feet of wood chips on the ground, you can dig down and you can find a lot more bugs, a lot more worms, a lot more moisture than ever was there before. And so yeah. I virtually saved three times the amount of water by using wood chips. Right, exactly. So and tell me a little bit about what happens at that interface between the dirt and the wood chips. You know, I, I think what happens is that it's like a lasagna or like a cake and it has layers, you know, uh -huh. like an onion, like a Shrek reference. An onion has layers. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, go. Cool. And so on the very top where the newest wood chips are, it looks like wood chips. Uh-huh. But because me, I, I do um, I do gardening tours at my house. We have people walking on the wood chips. My dogs walk on the wood chips. I'm mm -hmm. a tortoise, myself, my family. As we walk on it, if you dig down about six inches, uh -huh. the wood chips look more chipped. Ah. They look like they're smaller. And then you go down at six more inches and it starts to look black. Yes. And then the, you go know, six more inches and it looks more like more like compost you would buy from a, a nursery. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. And so 
the the deeper you dig down toward the into the earth now uh-huh. with wood chips, the blacker and more nutrient dense the soil becomes. Nice, nice, and that's really the whole point. Exactly, that's the whole point. So, what were the most important or the most important step that you took in getting started? You know, you had a really good tip for me. Um, I learned a lot from your class because I had motivation from my mom and I had YouTube. I think YouTube has also been a huge influence uh-huh. for me growing a successful edible landscape because mm-hmm. there's so much on YouTube that you can learn. And then you can immediately go practice in your yard. Right. So if you're only using YouTube for cat videos, I would implore you to stop <laughs> Use YouTube for education. Yeah, exactly. And so what I what, – what, but what you said – First, you told me don't plant anything for the first two months. Uh-huh. I showed you a Google satellite. Right. Um, I remember that image of my yard uh-huh. and that the water harvesting class I took from you. And you said don't plant anything, and I said why? And you said because you want to learn the ins and outs of the various microclimates that exist on your property. I don't know what that was, but you were right. So you said learn where the shady spots are, where the sunny spots are, where the hot spots are, where the cold spots are. Uh-huh. And once you learn that for a few months, then plant your garden, then plant some trees. So perfect. I kind of just waited. I started amassing trees and pots, and after a couple of months, I began to plant. Nice, nice. So talk about for just a minute about some time when you failed, and maybe how you overcame that failure. Um, how you know what did you learn from it? I failed a lot. I think I failed more than most people. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're doing a lot of great work if we're failing a lot. I've also failed outside of gardening, but you're talking about failure just within gardening. I'm talking about the Longevity Gardens Project. You don't want to hear all my failures in my entire life? Nah, just... <laughs> okay. You know, um, here's a few ways I failed as a gardener. Is one, you know, purchasing the wrong plants for this area. Right. If you go to like Home Depot, Lowe's, big box stores like that, they don't give a, you know, a, a, a you-know-what about people in Phoenix because they're purchasing and selling things on a national scale. Right. So they'll sell you anything at any time of the year. Mm-hmm. So I've made mistakes of planting the right plant in the wrong time of year. Uh-huh. Like planting broccoli in May, which is yeah, it's right. way too hot. And broccoli will – you'll put it in the ground. It will go to flower and it will die right, right yeah, away. Exactly. exactly. I've, also plant, I've also started to get intelligent and plant stuff you know, with more skills. Uh-huh. And then what will happen is I didn't shade it, and then the first day of 100 degrees will fry the leaves or something like that. Right, exactly. So I learned that having a 30% shade cloth with new trees in uh-huh. the summer is very important. Perfect. For at least the first year. And then I've also had times where I've planted some really good trees and a good garden, and then a freak hailstorm has come, and the hail has pelted the leaves off the trees and killed my trees that way. So. Yeah. I've learned ins and outs. <laughs> there you go. I've learned, you know, I've learned over and over again that when we fail and make mistakes, that's how we learn. So I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and on the on the planting calendar, I just want to address the planting calendar issue. The the as an as an urban gardener or urban farmer, the single biggest thing you can do is go out and find one of those planting calendars. Every every city has them. They're usually with a cooperative extension. Download the planting calendar. It'll tell you what to plant when. Yeah, I actually I actually downloaded yours. Uh-huh. I- a magnet. I put it on it with a magnet on my fridge. Oh, nice, nice. And that was a big help to me to learn when to plant beans, when to plant lettuce, all that stuff. Exactly, and and so the urban farm planting calendar is for the desert southwest or desert areas. Perfect. Yeah, I really learned over the course of this gardening thing. It's it's impossible just to buy a tree or a plant, put it in the ground, and walk away. You really have to become a parent and like a legal guardian to that plant, or that tree, and nurse it until it's bigger than you. Once it's bigger than you, yeah, it's a little more self sufficient. 
Absolutely. So what do you consider to be one of your biggest successes in this process? Whenever I get to put the food in my mouth, I think that's a big uh, success. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Yeah, it's literally sweet. I like your pun there. That's a, <laughs> so, it is, you know, whether it's a fruit tree, like um, this last year we had, you know, three or 400 peaches come off our peach tree. Uh-huh. My wife has, you know, really strengthened her skills on canning and jarring and Oh, right. Um, whatever we can't eat at the time, we'll can and jar and put in the pantry, and it's great. So I, I love cheating the system <laughs> and laundering and printing my own money with gardening and growing fruit. Because when you grow an oh, eggplant nice. and then plant the seed, it's like uh-huh. planting your own money. Yeah. It, so it, it really whenever is. I eat a stir fry from my garden, whenever I grow a salad from my garden, or whenever I, I make a delicious smoothie from my garden, I feel those are my successes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I love, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite things to do is harvest an entire meal out of the yard here at the urban farm. Have you had that experience? I, I love doing that. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That's yeah. my favorite thing. So how can listeners replicate your success? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think motivation is key. So find something that motivates you to no end, you know? And for me, the motivation was I want to eat the healthiest I can. I want to provide a hundred percent of the food I need for my yard. And that really gets me off my butt and forces me to get out there and plant and improve the soil and make things work. So, Did you say 100% of the food that you eat? That's what I want to do. Wow. I want to actually, I'm actually going to, on my YouTube channel, uh, the Vegan Athlete channel coming up, I'm going to do um, a series of videos coming up soon where I'm going to go on a one-week um, period where I'm going to film myself doing one week of only eating food out of my yard. Wow. Coming up next month in November. How cool is that? I figured I'd wait till the oranges start ripening and that way I have oranges. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what value does your urban farm bring to you? Um, I mean, it lowers my food bill, which was my main reason for doing the edible landscape. We, are now, we now have over 250 trees on our third of an acre. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 250 trees on a third of an acre? Exactly. And Wow. You've blasted past I'm, me. I have 70. You have 70? <laughs> I have 70. You have over three times the amount of trees on, on your property than I do on mine. You know, I can remember doing your urban farm tour in Phoenix and thinking when you told me you had 70 to 80, I'm thinking, God, that's so many trees. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden now I'm over 200 and I, can't, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. It's yeah, like well, an addiction. But well, it, it really is. It really is. But, you know, what goes through my mind, it's like, all right, where can I put another tree? Everything in life is an addiction. You know, anger, happiness, alcohol. Uh-huh eating healthy. So at least you should become addicted to healthy things. You know? Yeah, exactly. If people want to mimic my success is one thing that I'm, I think if I could talk to Jake from four years ago, I would tell him, you know, make sure to plant the largest trees that grow the largest first and use those as shade canopies. Oh yes. And then Perfect. plant the medium trees after that and then plant a garden that can use the shade of those big trees to its advantage. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's a, that's a priceless piece of advice right there. Yeah, so companion plant, use permaculture, and um, learn about the tree from Google before you plant it. And that way you know how big it's going to get, oh, where you, you should put it, all yeah, that exactly. jazz. So um, you mentioned companion planting. I just do want to, want to do a shout-out for yeah. uh, a book on companion planting called Carrots Love Tomatoes. It's a great little book. Nice. So here's a doozy of a question. What drives you, Jake Mace? Uh, what drives me? <laughs> I think... You know, just in with in regards to growing, in regards to life, or or both. You know, yeah. I would say I love living a life that is compassionate and has zero impact on the earth. And when I first went vegan vegetarian, I was 19 years old, and my kung fu teachers were vegan vegetarian. I, I thought they were weird hippies, <laughs> but when I saw how many they probably they probably were they they probably were or they <laughs> still are. But 
I saw how many push-ups they can do and, and how much energy they had, and I really wanted to mimic that. So I went vegan, and then as I was only vegan for the health reasons for myself, and then mm-hmm. I would go to lectures, and I would go to seminars. So over the years, I would learn about how you can conserve water, conserve land, and help living beings like animals and humans by eating just plants. Uh-huh. And so what motivates me and what drives me is knowing that while I'm alive, I'm going to try to live as low of an impact as possible and conserve as much water as possible and help as many people and animals as possible through my diet. And the food that we eat is the number one way we can conserve water, help humans, help animals, um, improve the environment. It doesn't matter the electric car you drive. It matters what are you putting in your mouth. Wow. So so I'm really passionate about um, trying to live a life as low impact as possible while I'm alive. Uh And I think that if I grow my own food, I'm even supercharging that. Wow. That's That's priceless and perfect. Thank you so much for that. Sure. So what projects are you currently working on? A lot. It seems like uh, I keep having new projects pop up. (laughs) I'm kind of in transition right now in my life between I normally teach a lot of classes in person at the Botanical Garden, at my home, at my at my school, mm-hmm. private lessons, private consultations, things like that. And I still do those things. But my life has kind of started to transition into the digital era where a lot of my followers, we have a quarter of a million people that follow us online right, right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that all? Exactly. We have a quarter million? We have a quarter million people that follow us between wow. YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And um, is that so on your is that on your vegan athlete channel? My vegan athlete channel is my main gardening YouTube channel, uh-huh. and my main um, martial art and fitness YouTube channel is the Shaolin Center. Ah, wow! And, and we'll have you, we'll have both of those pieces of information in the show notes. Yeah, and if you just go on YouTube and type in Jake Mace, you'll find me. Perfect. And what um, what's happening in my life? What I'm working on is that my classes are in transition. Where a lot of my time now is being spent doing digital classes. Uh-huh. So in addition to putting YouTube videos out, we have about 1,200 YouTube videos out there now. Um, we're also doing an online school where folks can go online, sign up for an online school for just five bucks a month uh-huh. at fitness, martial arts, or gardening at jakemace.com. Wow, perfect. So that's my most um, passionate thing I'm doing right now. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So. You know I'm all about education, and I have to know, what one book has been the most influential in your life? Wow, you're talking to a guy from the millennial generation about books here. Uh huh. <laughs> you know I have one for you. If um, it's kind of maybe an unorthodox one, but when I put out my YouTube videos, I would say in about eighty percent of my videos, I put a quote before the video begins. Right. And. Most of my quotes are ancient. They come from Socrates, Aristotle, mm-hmm. or Native American ancient quotes. But I also get a ton of my quotes from, from the Tao Te Ching. Mm. And the Tao Te Ching is the main book for a Taoist. Uh-huh. And um, the forefather of Taoism is known as Lao Tzu. And Lao Tzu, in the Tao Te Ching, or the Tao Te Ching, it has so many priceless ancient quotes that Chinese people have been studying for thousands of years. Right. So you can read the Tao Te Ching as a book, but you can also extract phrases out of it as individual quotes to live your life by. Mm -hmm. And so I think whenever you're having a tough moment in life, either purchase the Tao Te Ching or Google search the Tao Te Ching quotes, Uh and you will find a quote that will make you happy, make you um, positive, and make you want to be motivated to attack life the same day or the next day. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you for that. Sure. So what final one piece of advice do you have for our listeners? 
in terms of growing edible landscapes and gardening at home, yeah, growing your own food, I would say definitely grow your own food. And if you if you think it's weird that I'm a vegan, at least try to increase exponentially the amount of plants and fruits and veggies in your diet. Uh-huh. Um, and what I would say is educate yourself. Go take a class from somebody else in your city that's already gardening and it's already where you want to be. Like you were where I wanted to be, Greg. I uh-huh. wanted to be. I wanted to have a garden that was just as good as yours. Oh, cool. And you have to train and you have to study until your idols become your rivals. <laughs> That's interesting. And so I figured that, you know, you were my idol and now we're kind of rivals. We're both growing edible landscapes. Yeah. We're both kind of feeding off each other. So it, the world's a better place, you know. So I think that if you're going to be an effective grower of your own food, first of all, just do it. Get out there and plant something right now. Not tomorrow, right now. Like immediately. Like listen to this podcast and then go out there and plant something today and make sure it's edible. And then um, when you taste how delicious a peach is from your own peach tree, uh-huh. it will feed your addiction to plant some spinach and plant some kale and plant some kohlrabi and plant some daikon radishes and some sunchokes and <laughs> some mulberries and some olives and some, you know, and some Barbados cherries and avocados and you'll just become a master as well. Far out. Far out, far out, far out. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your, you know, your wonderful experience, Jake. It has been a blast. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I love, I love media like this, you know, podcasting, online schools, YouTube. I love the, the way we can use modern day technology to teach people these ancient forms of humanity. Perfect. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners, if you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.